Welcome back to the Everyman Upland Podcast. This is your host, Sam Baker, joined in the studio by Henry Norman. What's up? And our guest today, Grayson Geyer from Lost Highway Gundogs, a pro trainer in North Carolina. Hey, Grayson. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing good. Doing good. We were talking just before we hit record, just kind of normal days these days. Kind of. Yeah. Everybody's in the groove. Yeah, it's it's weird warm up here and a little bit wet. It's been a pretty kind of mild winter. Uh, yeah. Kind of, I don't know. Kind of weird, to be honest with you. Yeah, we seems like we had one cold stretch, and other than that, it's been pretty warm. Yeah, same for us. Yeah, we're back around Christmas. Oh, yeah. No, I think everybody everybody was feeling that. Um, But, yeah, you just uh, kind of kind of doing day-to-day chores and um, – got things got things going for you are you so around this time of year are you you taking on new clients yeah i pick up um i i i run kind of a a smaller client load in the hunting season most people are you know obviously have their dogs at home anyway but i like to i'll do a little wild bird program where i'll take existing clients um take four of those dogs and, and just kind of travel around and hunt with them. And then I keep my lesson load up uh, during that time of year, but a lot of it's traveling with a few client dogs that I'll, I'll uh, campaign in some trials or hunt tests for folks and, and mostly just trying to bounce around and hunt as much as I can and, and get to trials. That's awesome. And that's kind of a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to try to kind of demystify uh, the field trialing world as much as we can in an hour or so. Um, When I contacted Grayson about doing this episode, because I met Grayson at a UKC, well, two different UKC field trials, but uh, uh, we kind of made acquaintances there and then um i called i told him we kind of want to do like a field trial for dummies because i am i'm a complete noob to the whole field trialing scene and grayson you've been around a while right yeah i mean i think i fear that the super old I, it may be a bit <laughs> over my head in some areas but um i've been messing around with bird dogs most of my life to some you know, in one way or another, but as far as trial is concerned, most of my experience with, with pointing dogs has been, um, strictly in, in the UKC. I'm, I've been to a lot of other events. Um, but, but because I kind of started trialing around the time I got into EVs, uh, and, and that game was really built by the UKC for the F annual baton. Um, that's been, as far as competitive trialing and not hunt testing, that's, that's made up most of my activity. So that's a good question to lead off with. What is the difference between, you mentioned like competitive trialing versus hunt tests. Kind of walk us through the difference there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, uh, it, it re- relatively self-explanatory what you would guess in in hunt testing regardless of of the program uh, it's it's pretty much always going to be an objective standard 
that the dog has to meet in order to pass or fail at some at some level in order to earn a title. So if we're talking pointing dogs, uh, the two major games that I can think of would be the AKC Hunt Test Program, uh, which has a junior hunter, a senior hunter, and a master hunter level, and uh, NAVDA, which is the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, which is built or based on the German hunt test system, which is a breed survey. So both of those, you can earn passes at various levels and, and achieve titles based on those passes. Yeah, so you're not competing head-to-head against other dogs and handlers. You're just competing against a standard. Yep, there's a score sheet that each judge has, and, and the dog needs to, to kind of check off each block in order to, to get the nod and to go ahead to move on to the next level. So, you know, I'm, I've, I've, <clears throat> I have run a couple of AKC hunt tests at the junior level just playing around when I was first getting started, and that's, that's essentially a kind of a – I'd say not – Calling it a puppy test isn't really fair, but it, but it's there's not a whole lot required in terms of steadiness or handle or, or retrieve. Um, but, you know, basically they want to see a young dog go out there and be at least with their handler in, in some way and establish a point and uh, hunt the field, I guess, in a somewhat intelligent manner, establish a point, and you hopefully you can get there and, and get a shot fired off. But... If your dog points at the bird and you get a shot at it, uh, you're pretty much, gonna, as far as I can tell, going to be granted your junior honor. That that's based on my personal experience, not my, um, not my knowledge of the game. Yeah, kind of cutting in and out, but we'll try to compensate Here, me, on our end. Whoop. Okay. Let me uh, to this. Tell me if that's any better. Oh yeah, much better. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that's just my gear. It's okay. Um, all right, and then so that's hunt test. What is trialing then? Uh, trialing is going to be, you know, it's a competitive event uh, where you may have a field of dogs, and they're all going to, for the most part, when we when we think of a traditional field trial, it's going to be for bird dogs. At least in the pointing dog realm, you're going to have bird dogs most games are going to run dogs braced um, meaning a pair of dogs going to be on the ground at the same time and you're going to go out and search of birds and the judge is going to look for how well the ground the, how well the dog covers ground what they may call the ground application if they you know in, in some programs they may uh, um, kind of reward a dog that's out front and working really fast forward in some events they may prefer a dog that's that's really working the cover hard and staying close to the handler and handling a little bit better and that's just going to depend on on the game you're playing um but but for the most part a finished dog uh which would most would consider either all age shooting dog or or open class depending on the on the program you're playing in is going to need to be at the very least um, steady to wing and shot uh, once they found the bird. That means they, that they need to establish a point and hold that point until the handler produces the bird and, and have a point gun. Then that's going to be kind of standard for what's required in terms of handle. Um, there are programs that require more beyond that. 
and uh, UKC kind of being one of those in the liberated game when Scott Bird's on the course. Um, but most of the American field games at, at, at the Phoenix dog levels are going to require steady to wing and shot, move your dog forward and, and get back on the course and, and keep going. And it really comes down to what the judge likes the best. I think I, I do appreciate the American field because they don't have um, – they don't necessarily have like a big judges program where they require people to get a bunch of education. Uh, for the most part, you're going to, everybody's going to agree that, that this fellow that we, or lady that we invited to be a judge is a, uh, an experienced bird dog person and they know what they're looking at. And, and what we want is that judge that to, to pick the dog that they most like to throw in their truck and take home with them at the end of the day. Yeah. And for you guys, uh, joining us, um, American field is, is a field trialing. Well, I mean, would you call them a field trialing organization or are they, uh, it's really, yeah. I mean, the American field is really a magazine <laughs> and, and it's, and it's a, uh, the overarching organization would be called the field dog stud book registry. And, um, and so that's a, it's a registry just like the AKC or the UKC. They keep, track a dog's lineage and, and pedigrees and um, this organization put this magazine out to follow field trials back in the in the 19th century it's, it's really one of the I think one of the oldest sporting publications in the country um, hmm. and, and I believe that American field sanctioned events uh, are some of the earliest sporting events in the country uh, and so that goes, I think, uh, I, I could be wrong, but somewhere I've heard maybe like the Kentucky Derby, uh, and some of those horse races would, would be out front of that. But we're talking, when we're talking sporting, we're talking baseball, football, all those. Yeah. Things. Before so, that. Yeah. Organized, organized sports. <clears throat> That's crazy. And yeah. so it is like, it is akin to AKC, which is American Kennel Club or UKC United Kennel Club. It, in in some regard, and, and I would say mostly in the fact that they do maintain a, a registry <clears throat> of uh, bird dogs, mostly, um, and uh, I think primarily bird dogs, and uh, and they keep those records on file, and they you know will will publish pedigrees for owners and such. Okay, cool, and um, so Henry. Got anything there? So with all those, all the different types of trials and you, you take on many different clients to train their dogs. I'm assuming that they're going to want their dogs to do different things and be, you know, trained for different events, possibly like what are the, are there, are there events that, that can cross over? Can a dog do compete in more than one, um, in more than one trial or type of trial say ukc on akc effectively or do you pretty much need to focus on one group or one type of trial with your dog there's a there's a lot of potential for crossover and and up until recently when the ukc um acquired the american field well i mean which has just really happened in the last few months mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. there used to be a lot of dual sanctioned field trials in the AKC and the American field. And so usually each breed club would have kind of a contingent that was a little fieldier and they liked their dogs a little 
bigger running or, or, or whatever. And they ran in the, in the American field. And then the AKC usually tended toward more of a, a, a crowd that was um, interested maybe in, in a, in what you might call a dual dog that, that met the show standard and also did well in field trials. It's really big deal in the America in the AKC to, to have a, a dual champion. So one that, yeah, yeah. Is I've I've heard with certain breeds also that's more common. Yeah, uh, they may, the one that comes to mind for me is the American Brittany Club. They they are very serious about their dual program. Yeah, I I was I was thinking along the lines of all the Visla folks. Yep, they're big into it too. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, maybe I'm more sure. so the shows than the hunting. <laughs> well, and, and that unfortunately that that can be a problem in all all the breeds. You know, I think to some degree there's a field show split and, and I think most breeds have um, kind of have a three way split, which would be kind of your show contingent, which you're going to have your real showy dogs mm-hmm. really bred for confirmation primarily. Yep. And you're kind of going to see it Westminster. Um, and that's not fair to all of them. Cause there's, you know, there's a couple of groups that are doing a really good job of keeping, keeping it pretty tight on both ends. Uh, but then you'll have a kind of a, a fieldier version, maybe even within the AKC, and then you'll have a, a, a field trial version, which, uh, you mm-hmm. know, which would probably be the, the, the American field club end of, of each breed. So, so that's interesting. So if you're like kind of shopping around for, okay, so let's back up just a second. Let's talk about why anyone would even want to do this. Like, what's the sure. point? Or, I mean, from your perspective, like, why, for our listeners who are out there hunting, you know, wild birds or getting into the bird hunting game, um, why would they want to feel trial? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple. I mean, there's a couple of reasons, or a, a, kind of a a couple of motives. I think that that would exist. And um, first and foremost, I think you have folks that are that are into bird dogs, and I know plenty of folks that field trial and really don't hunt all that much. But but I think you know, in most of the games, you have people that are very enthusiastic bird hunters and, or, and, and bird dog people. And they're just looking for a way to continue to have fun. And they're just really intense hobbyists. And, and so that would be the primary motive, but, um, and, and, and some would argue this, <clears throat> but I think in the American field and the AKC and even the UKC to, to a large degree, um, breed selection is going to be really important and so having a dog that kind of competes at the highest level is going to phenotypically make that dog a a good a good choice as as one to keep in the gene pool yeah Uh, and phenotypic meaning that that's the traits that actually come out or expressed that's what you see on the dog and in the field what you can what you what can be observed by uh you know by everyone yeah, it's right. Impressed, and so you get these judge people of of high repute that are going to give you, you know, their opinion of your dog. And if if they're saying he's he was the best that day, then that's one that we want to uh, to breed to, and we want to, you know, have have pushing his his genes down the line. So we got a group that are just like like 
intense hobbyists. They're just into bird dogs. They want something to do with their dog. They may not have any intention of like breeding the dog or doing anything like that. And then you have breeders who are either trying to title their dog to breed or they're out there looking for the winning dogs in order to breed. Yeah. And and there's a lot of overlap, you know, I mean, you know, we know we have several friends in common that, that would probably, and I would be one of them that, uh, that kind of fit both bills in that regard. I, you know, sure. I still like, I still, you know, look forward to going out and and competing and I have fun and I see a lot of my friends there, but at the end of the day, I want to win and, and I want the best dog on the field and I want to, yeah. You know, I want to, we're doing it right too, so that, that that one does get bred and, and, uh, and we're moving, moving everything. Oh, the for right sure. Way. There's a little bit of everything at, I mean, the field trials I've been to, there's a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Sure, um, sure. and then, uh, let's see, any other motivations? What about you, Henry? You motivated? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't say this is one of my motivations, but I mean, on the highest level, you've got, I mean, there's money involved, there's stud fees. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. there's, yeah, there's winnings, you know, there's the proof is in the pudding or in the titles kind <laughs> no, of, uh, oh, please yeah. Don't. yeah, let's the, not put it that way. The proof is in the titles. So, I mean, that's, some people see that. I mean, yeah, yeah. they I mean, want dogs from titled dog for, well, what, what comes to my mind actually, when you bring this up is, um, and I don't know if this is kind of off limits to talk about, but the, um, the owner of shadow Oak bow who had a bunch of his, um, DNA, we'll, we'll say that yeah, yeah. stored uh-huh. up frozen, uh-huh. it passed away. And now his family is, I think in the process of auctioning it off. So, I mean, like yeah. there's a lot of, or it's already been done. I, and he's the only, like he's the very, I think there might've been one more back in history, but there's only like a, two setters who have yeah. won. And he won it two years in a row. Yeah. So who I is mean, it, Grayson? Mississippi Zev. I think was, I, I, I'm speaking a little bit out of my hind end here, but I believe 1947. I was going to say, <laughs> I knew it was way, way back. There was another. If you setter, just but, pulled that out, I yeah. mean, kudos. I believe you. It sounds yeah. very credible. <laughs> they both have interesting stories. I mean, uh, you know, and that, and we're getting. I mean, we're we're you know, it's fun a fun little rabbit hole to follow. But uh, you know, the uh, the story I've heard anyway, or at least the legend around Mississippi Zev was that he was just found in a backyard behind some shack somewhere in Mississippi and picked up and turned out to be the best bird dog, your best setter, you know, ever. Oh yeah. To, um. And then, uh, but I mean, I, not, we're talking in the modern era and the modern era is really, I think, post, post first world war. If you're talking about the American field prior, prior to that, the setters actually kind of dominated the game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And then the pointers really took it. And, and, uh, you know, so the last prior to shadow boat, Mississippi's that was the last setter winner. Um, but, but well, yeah, let, it, let's get into that a little bit. I mean, Besides just the rule sets, I mean, would you agree or disagree? American field is kind of a pointer setter game. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the highest highest end of that game, that's what it is, and and it really is a reflection of what this country was when that game started. You know, when yeah, when 
think about, especially in the South, but I mean, all over the country, um, you know, a bird dog where I'm from was a setter and a shotgun was an LC Smith. And, and where you guys are from, it was probably a pointer. And yeah. I don't know. what. Yeah. <laughs> pointer setters were the only thing here, probably up into the eighties. L- yeah. We had a, we had a bunch of L Hugh lines back in yeah. the sixties and seventies or whenever, whenever it was, but they, uh, that was, that's what I grew up looking at. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. I mean, I can remember when I brought my first Brittany home, my grandpa saw it. He, he was like, that's, that ain't a bird dog. You know, like he really yeah. didn't know. And, and I mean, he, you know, he, he was picking on me, but uh, even still, you know, I mean, um, the, the short hairs and the Britneys, which have really been around for a long time and popular in this country since, since probably world war two, um, still you know old, old folks uh that they don't think of them as, they think of them as being something kind of new and, and fancy and catchy you know right right my dad still thinks like britney's and short hairs are like fad dogs yeah yeah we're talking 70 years you know right yeah <laughs> things move slowly in this industry <laughs> yeah, sometimes very unfortunately yeah but- but I mean, in that, but the, you know, and, and I guess we should note that the, when we talk about an American field field trial, for the most part, and there's exceptions to this, you're thinking of shooting dog stakes, which really came along with the L. Hugh line. That was Bob Wheelie, and he he's really the father of the shooting dog stake. He that that L. Hugh line of pointer was um, shooting dog versus what? Shooting dog versus all age. And so break break that down briefly for us. Um, so, well, I mean, and so here's where I, I don't, I'm going to fall apart on the technical stuff, but you have a derby, which is a dog up to, what is it? Two years of age, I think. Yeah. Um, and AKC, it has to be younger than two. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can't recall in the American field. I believe it's the same. Yeah. So you can run in, in the derby class up to that point and you can win, you know, your derby awards once you achieve whatever that age being the AKC two years of age in the American field, I think it's the same. Then you, you need to move into back before the shooting dog stage stakes, which would have come along in the fifties and sixties with Bob Wheelie. It was only Derby and all age. Um, and now you have puppy stakes in, in certain trials as well. Um, That's so like can, under a year, like over six under months, but under a year, it's a very short window. And so, yeah, and so that was it. Essentially, back in the day, it was derbies and all-age dogs, and and then that shooting dog state came along, and it was for, you know, for your average hunter that didn't want that that biggest running dog on the course, and it, what they wanted to make the game less about that that foot race and more about that dog's hunting prowess and their style and their their handle. Um, and, and some would say that that's worked out pretty good. Some would say that, you know, there's no difference between a good shooting dog and a good all age dog. And it just depends on who you're talking to on what day. And, and, you know, most of the serious big trials with the big purses in the American field are going to be run on horseback, um, which has been the way it's been done since the very beginning back to when, you know, there weren't automobiles in this country and, and horses were how you got around, um, and, and so they're still run that way, uh, at the, at the highest levels of those games. And the American field has a couple of 
kind of sub organizations. Um, one in, that's popular in our area is called the U.S. Complete Shooting Dog Association, uh, and that's all handled on foot, still judged on horseback. Uh, there's the National Bird Hunters. There used to be, I don't know if they're still around, the American Bird Hunters, and now there's one that's kind of coming up called Southern Bird Hunters. Um, but those are all all walking shooting dog um clubs within the american field that, that's an important so, distinction walking dog versus or walking trial versus a horseback trial yep I, I have suffered the uh indignity of being a walking handler in a primarily horseback trial well there you have it yeah it wasn't it wasn't fun I mean, I, I like, I settled into it, but I mean, it was still like people breathing down my neck. I mean, it was, they'll run you over. They're supposed to go your speed, but whatever. It didn't happen. Well, and I've got buddies that have done it and, and had good experiences doing it, but they've also, you know, I've heard, I've heard less good experiences. I guess we'll leave it at that, put it that way. Um, I mean, I'd do it again. I mean, I won't, it won't stop me from doing it, but I offered Sam a big short hair. He could saddle up, but he said no. No, I was like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) big old 90 pound short hair. (laughs) Just ride him. Yeah, I reckon. Are you running two dogs today? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) So. Yeah, there's so there's that, and that that the AKC has has horseback trials as well, and and walking trials, and um, I'm a little less hip on on all of their distinctions between you know the I know they have all age trials and they call it gun dog. Yeah, um, all age gun derby puppy. Yeah. yeah, and there's no so another thing like okay because UKC to me is unique among the big three we've been talking about ukc is more unique akc seems a little more similar um you don't there's no retrieving work in akc pointing trials have retrieving stakes but they have to be designated as as such okay okay so maybe i should say the one i went to did not have it was liberated birds but they just you just blanked them which means once a bird's flushed, somebody just fires a blank or you fire a blank into the air and then you move on to the next bird. Um, yeah. And UKC, getting over into that, it's all walking. Yep. Everybody's on foot. There's no, there's not, a, there won't be a horse to be seen. Yeah. If um, there's some like handicap accessibility issues, maybe a four wheeler. But that's it's allowed by the rule book. I've I've never seen it. Um mm. so but I'm sure we would we would allow for it if, if if it was required. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's all on foot, no horses, even the judge walks. And man, that's a long day. You've judged these. That's a long day, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I think I've had oh gosh, I've I've judged Two batteries of gun in the same day. We're not gun. I think I've, we we got a little sideways one time. And I ended up judging two batteries, which I shouldn't have. Um, and it, I think I went, guy, from. I mean, we stepped off at seven thirty, and 
and uh I don't think I quit walking until the sun set somewhere after five thirty or six. <laughs> yeah. Went, you know, it was a long it was a long day and but it's it's part of that game and yeah, I think, you know, you don't you don't sign up to be a judge if you're not if you don't care enough about it to do it, you know, and sure, you want to be sure to do it. So, but yeah, it's it's interesting and that and that comes from really the fact that the UK program is built on the uh the fci and i won't try to i won't try to yeah it's some french name right yeah yeah it's a federation of of of, i won't even say it but it's it's international i bet that's what the i is (laughs) basically it's it's the it to them it's considered kind of the global kennel club or it's the it's the governing body that governs a lot of the the kennel clubs across europe and a few of them in in outlying countries um yeah it's like an international breed standard exactly to some extent yeah yeah and so the groups that are members of the fci they all agree to do everything the same way um and And akc is not an fci they are not a constituent member so constituent members have to do everything exactly the same. Oh, okay. They is recognized as the the primary kennel club in America by the FCI, but they don't they don't hold them to any standard. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of it's kind of tough for us because we would love to be you know the the, the French Brittany people all want to do everything the way it's done in Europe. And, and the FCI is a big deal to the French Brittany folks. <laughs> <laughs> we love the way it's done in Europe. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, to be with the UKC, which is not recognized by the FCI, has, has posed problems. But the UKC has been wonderful in the fact that they've given us the freedom and the latitude to do it the way we want to. And we just basically copy the FCI rule book and, and made our game. We, we do things a little different on the, on the shot bird courses because they don't have quite as much of that in Europe as we do. Mm. Um, and they have some things that are similar. We likes to kill them. Okay. Yeah. we do. <laughs> and it's a tough game. And I would say for those familiar with the hunt test games, we were talking about earlier, um, you know, you would think of an AKC master hunter, and the open class of a UKC field trial that the standards are going to be relatively identical. Okay. So, so that we can get into this later, but remind me to circle back to it. Cause I want to get into a little bit about if you're looking for a puppy and you're looking at pedigrees, there's a lot of depending on if you're looking at AKC, UKC, whatever, there's yep. going to be a lot of letters and this kind of stuff. I don't want to get into um, like deciphering all those, but are you saying like, if you were looking at some letters, a uh, master AKC master hunter and a titled UKC open dog would be about the same level. Yeah. The, the standard of what's required in terms of their, their steadiness requirements, their retrieve requirements, their backing requirements. So everything in that technical work around the bird work is going to be the same. The place they may differ, you know, a master hunter needs to show an intelligent race. And, and, and I guess, you know, and this is one thing we didn't mention about the UKC field trial programs. There's actually a hunt test component to it. 
Mm. So there is a pass component. And so if you're talking strictly about passes in the UKC, I would say the Master Hunter and, and the UKC Open Class are, are, I mean, you would have a hard time telling them apart. The, the big, oh, difference, right. big difference being in the UKC, they will, pardon me, they'll also award placements. And so you're looking for that stylish dog with that big, you know, with the, the, the best handle and the best ground application as well. And, and the judge at the end of the day is going to give them a, either a blue or a red ribbon. Right. All right. Yeah. Cause that, that's uh, t- like when you're looking at dog pedigrees, it can get kind of out of control with all the uh, titles and sure. those are just, but at the end of the day, it's really just like the levels the dogs have achieved in front of a judge. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not, you know, I mean, I, I think it, I think it. it's not, if you think, think we talked about the big three in terms of trial and programs or, right. or registries, you know, but I think there's probably four, maybe five major games. And they're they're all relatively decipherable, you know. If you see an American field dog that has champion in front of his name, he has won a championship field trial. The mm. only way to, to earn a champion title in the American field is to win a specially designated trial that's designated as a championship trial, and that's a pretty big deal. It's hard to qualify for those for the most part. Right, um, you're not just showing like you don't have a weekend warrior just showing up and winning those for the most yeah, part. A real point system in terms of their titling for your dog. You know, we're in the in the AKC. There's a point system, and for them, it's going to be earning an FC, which is field champion, okay. or AFC, which is amateur field champion. And there is one special trial that'll give you a title designation, which would be NFC, and that's the national field champion. So mm-hmm. if you win the championship, you, you get your NFC title. You can get an NAFC, which would be amateur that wins the national amateur. Um, and then otherwise it's just FC, AFC. And that's a, and that's a matter of winning enough trials, um, to earn enough points. Um, but, it, but it, it doesn't necessarily need to be super special trials. Some, I think some have, uh, I, and I, the AKC gets a little complex for me and, and so does the UKC to be honest with you in terms of their point system. Yeah. What's a, like, okay. In UKC, yeah. you're basically looking to win like, three like if you place three times in a category you're gonna get titled right yeah i mean more or less UKC has a slew of titles you have the hunt and gun at the in the gun class right then you have trialer champion you have champion of the field liberated champion of the field wild or grand champion of the field and all of those have, you, you know, you have to have a certain combination of, of second places and first places or passes and placements. Um, and so for, for a gun title, you need, uh, I think, oh man, two placements and a pass, I think, is to get a gun. Right, think, yeah, yeah. You know, and this is all so available. Can, I'll put some links in the show notes yeah. to like, it's all in the UKC rulebook, which isn't as long as, or it's easier to navigate than you might think. I mean, yeah. you can skip past like all the judges' requirements pretty much. And, 
go to the bottom of it and and, and a lot of it's still kind of all of our abbreviations are carried over in, from French, you know, so that's the biggest problem. Uh, that's why you get like tan is natural yeah. ability. Yeah. And, yeah. Ability, ability, natural. Uh, yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, and, and then I, another game would be Nastra. Um, yeah. I think the Nastra, the most of the guys I know that play Nastra really consider that more of a game. They're less, they're less serious about, uh, the prestige and, and they just, they like, well, and there's a lot of prestige to the winners. They want to win. Those guys want to, it's competitive. It's competitive. Yeah. And it's, but it really is a game in, in regards to, you know, that it takes the, hand, the handler has to be really be able to navigate the course with the dog. And they also have to be able to hit pin race birds when they get up, um, you know, and so that's, they've got an objective score sheet and, and the one with the, best to- point total at the end of the day is going to going to be the winner and and those guys they there's a lot of gamesmanship in that game uh, at the highest levels and and I think it's a neat neat game and I just actually bred um one of my females to a to a Nastra dog that's done well you know with a player and it's a great dog so I, I I think it should be held in high regard along with the rest of them so since you mentioned that what what a what what dogs do you have in your kennel? So you have I, I know you said you typically keep like maybe four client dogs in training, well, and then you have some of your own as well. Or right now I got twelve client dogs, so I'm back okay. in my training rhythm, which you mm-hmm. know spring through early fall is a uh, I you know I keep more dogs in training. The hunting season is when when I kind of lay back, but um, for my personal dogs, I, I mostly have. French Britneys and Labs. Um, we do. I keep. I keep some dogs for the owners of the property that I operate my kennel on as a kind of a part of my lease, which is a, is a wonderful deal for me. Um, and there's a short hair here and a poodle pointer here and a and a couple of more Labs. Um, but but for the most part, I would say you know for for no good reason, I'm into French Britneys. And, hey, uh, you, you like what you like. I'm, yep. <laughs> I, I'm part of that weird dog club club too. Yeah. Just, we just kind of get comfortable with what, you know, and I've, I've had many other breeds and, and, and don't think of the French Brittany as, as having uh, any more virtue uh, in general than any of the others. It just happens to be what you get comfortable with. Sure. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of positives for them. I'm, I'm a, of the school of thought that, you know, a smaller dog is, is better because they're easier to handle and train. And, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I would much rather train a small Brittany <laughs> than a big short hair, big hard headed short hair. Just, I got, yeah, just getting worn down, honestly. <laughs> well, I, get it. I mean, I went from, uh, the reason I ended up with my first one is because I had spent the previous 10 years living with a, uh, with the all age bred setter and a Belgian Malinois and, you know, a series of one bedroom apartments across the country. And I was, I was ready for something a little smaller. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to go over to our, not you Grayson, but if our listeners want to go over to our Substack, I just wrote an article on why I chose, EBs or French Britneys 
And my first line is like, it's the right dog for me now. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't think it's the right dog for everyone. It's just, there are, like, I have my reasons. But to tell you the truth, and, you know, me and Henry talk about this a good bit, but I was kind of between Vizsla's and uh, Britney's of some flavor and just kind of ended up on French Britney's and, yeah, I like I, I like them. Don't worry, you'll turn to the dark side soon enough. Yeah, yeah. Henry's a v- Henry went Vizsla. Although oh, yeah. you have a Henry's got like a palette of dogs. Yeah, I bet I've I've been I've been a Vizsla guy since the beginning. Oh, that's true. I've, I mean, South Georgia has a has a really strong Vizsla contingent, and and they're not all, in my experience. Um, what you would imagine from those, like the the Hungarian lines, if you will. Uh, I got a couple. I actually have a couple of client dogs here with with Vizslas out of South Georgia that are are fantastic bird dogs. And I mean, they're, they've got good temperaments and they're easy to get along with. But you would, if you if they had if they were white and had a tail, you you could just as easily be running behind a nice L U pointer. Oh sure, oh, and that's yeah. and that's the thing that they're that same level of athleticism. Um, they you know. I like them because of the short hair. They can, you know, a lot of dogs get hot down here. I have to deal with the heat. And so they handle that pretty well. They're water dogs. They they seem to like the water pretty well. I know they have webbed toes. So I've heard. God, the lines that we've had around here, uh, natural retrievers, just like a lot of them just seem yeah. to take to retrieving. This young male I'm working with now, he just, he just got in the string, but. Anytime a bird goes down, he's right on top of it, and he brings it straight back. And we haven't done any retrieving work. Like usually, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to work a little extra hard on retrieving with my dogs. But he's just he picked it up right off the bat. I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't, I don't, and and my, most of my experience with visual is like I said, it's through client dogs or friends. But mm-hmm. I've got one where it comes to me. I mean, he's been coming to me for two or three years and just enjoys coming out and hunting with me and doing lessons on occasion. And, and this dog's out of plantation stock from y'all's way. And um, it's a jam up dog, man. It It is a uh, hmm. retrieving machine. It, it's stylish. The only, I mean, he was a little sensitive, a little soft. But, that's, uh, that's the only other thing I was going to say about him is that they're, you don't have to, they're not as hard headed as a short hair or pointer. You, you, you do not. I have one dog that I can't run a collar on. If I do, she just falls to pieces, even just putting it on her. Sure. So they're, sure. they're definitely a little, I've, I, at least in my experience, they're a little softer dogs, but very biddable, very trainable. I, I, I like them a lot. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, not yeah. to, not to promote the Vislas, <laughs> but like what you like. I mean, one thing I'll say is for in my, in my experience across the board, you know, and the line I use a lot with folks is I think there's as much variation within breeds as there is amongst them. Oh sure. yeah, absolutely. And I go to a lot of NAVDA events and, and I've seen visualize at those, those games that are completely different than what you and I are talking about. Oh, sure. Well, it, it's, and NAVDA, you, you kind of have the two different group and I, I'm speaking not from much experience at all, but I, I feel like you have the, the people that are, they're there to play the game and they don't hunt like you, like you were saying, not, not, not hunters besides just the NAVDA stuff. Um, and you've got the, probably some, a little more serious people. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and that and that's probably across the board and everything. If you didn't have, I guess if you didn't have the people, that's that's the thing I think of a lot is, you know, without the folks that are doing it really casually and, and try, you know, they love their dogs and maybe they're not much of a hunter and they're certainly not much of a trialer, then folks like me wouldn't be able to go out there and compete with my buddies that are real competitive with me because you still got to feel fill those trials and, and tests. Yeah, there has to be a certain number of dogs competing yeah, you gotta have a spectrum and and you, you know it's, it's a bell curve like everything else and, and there's gonna be your people that are they don't come to win they come to to you know enjoy enjoy themselves and get their dogs out and, and have fun and and we need those folks and oh, sure, definitely so i'm gonna make a series of statements here that might be totally unfair based on my limited experience but so far it seems like at an AKC horse trial, it's about 50-50 as much about horses as it is about dogs. People are really into their horses. Like, it's a bunch of horse logistics. And then UKC is a little more uh, not about that. <laughs> like um i don't I, like i'm not gonna be i met some great people at either trial and going back to that variability within the breed i just want to throw out there it is a great sh- just showing up to a local field trial and and it could be a little intimidating but i encourage you maybe go with a friend if if you're a little shy but if you're looking for a dog, it's a good way to see dogs in the field and not just pick based on paper or somebody else's somebody opinion. run in their mouth. You know, you can go see dogs in the field, talk to some owners. You're going to see some crazy dogs within that breed. You're going to see some calmer dogs. You're going to see some big running. You're going to see some short running. It's just a good way to get to know the dogs and the lines and it kind of takes some guesswork out of it. I don't know. No, I think, I mean, I think that, you know, when we were at Jackie's trial, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Jackie, Jackie likes his dogs. He likes them to go, you know, and I, and I like mine to go as well. And so, you know, there's, you're going to go to, you might go to a French Brittany trial and see dogs. You would not expect to see in a French Brittany trial. Um, that are going way out in front and, and, you know, putting on a big, big race and, and, uh, you know, and, but, but at the end of the day, you're still not on horseback limited by how, how quick the slowest person on the course is moving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if somebody, let's just throw this out there. If somebody is really, really into hunting wild birds public land they're just like getting after it looking for those wild birds but they're like oh i'd like to try a field trial is there one organization you'd recommend over the other for somebody in a certain situation yeah. what would be the easiest to transition to well i mean i'm i'm completely biased um yeah i, I you know and, and I, I love the ukc program because of its versatility and and so if you're just a wild bird hunter and say you're in South Georgia, um, we had a 
we had a wild bird trial in LaGrange, Georgia, which isn't quite south, but you can get from. You sure. Know, I'll make that guys- jump. <laughs> but you can get from South Georgia to LaGrange pretty quick. And, and we had, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't wild birds proper. It, they had all been liberated for two or three months. Um, you know, but they were, they were hard flying covey birds. Um, and we were averaging probably three to four an hour, um, all over the course. So, you know, we stayed busy and, right. and we, you know, and we found good birds the whole day. And, and I think a good wild bird dog would have showed well there. Um, as a matter of fact, I know a good wild bird dog would have showed there because, because they won that day. And, um, and so, and then of course, and that's a, that's going to be a blank gun. And so you can have, you can run, we don't kill what we would consider wild birds in a field trial in the UKC. Um, so you're going to, it's all, all going to be on a blank gun and you can run a gun class, which is essentially the judgment is stopping at the flush of the bird. And so as long as your dog can hold a point until the bird flushes and you can shoot, shoot a gun around your dog, you can be in the running in a wild bird trial. Mm-hmm. And, and we got a few of them in the southeast. Most of them are going to happen out west. A few in Iowa, South Dakota, you know, places where you're going to have higher densities of wild birds. So, so personally, you know, that would be in my a, like a shoe in. Um, the American Field does have wild, plenty of wild bird trials. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the AKC does as well. Most of those are are going to be at those broke levels meaning your dog needs to be steady through the shot and and i don't know of any other wild bird program where you could title your dog or win a field trial or get a pass um you know with with essentially what we would consider a hunting dog or a gun dog that's going to leave either leave with the bird or leave on the shot Hmm. yeah that's the thing um uh these field trials have definitely shown me uh, weaknesses in my training regimen and what I really need to be more focused and consistent about. Um, also, well, let's, um, let's talk about gamesmanship for a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to give away all the tricks of the trade. Uh, but, and I will say this for people who are out there and they want to give this a try. I think you should give it a try. Um, even if you think like, well, the, I mean, worst case scenario, you're just going to pick your dog up. And I pick, I had to pick Lumi up five minutes in, uh, to his second day run in gun dog. Uh, he moved, uh, before the bird went and kind of, you know, did a halfway, uh, retrieve and so i picked him up i mean so that's the worst case scenario you're just gonna go and it's not gonna go well and the some of the best bird dogs out there could have a bad day and get picked up um but i even with that i thought this is winnable i i can we can do this this is achievable it's not something that you know you go and you just feel hopeless like you're out of your league no, and, and I, I had the uh, good fortune of being there on that run where you picked him up. I was I was actually standing there watching that whole thing unfold, 
because I had been running with um, yeah, Echo. Is that right? And uh, before that, I had um, Ozzy down was Little Liver. Right, that's it, Ozzy. Little- yeah, the Ozzy Britney, the Liver yep. Britney. Yep, and then and you and Lumi got got on that bird. And and speaking of gamesmanship, I mean, and it was tough. So you, you were in real open cover. Uh, Lumi actually had to get in the woods to get downwind of that bird. He hit it. He pointed. And as we all started moving in there, that bird started moving around, and he got a visual of it. And that's and it, I think he stuck it for quite a while, honestly. I should. So gamesmanship wise, let's walk through that because you were there. Sure. This is what I thought. Like I should have done. So everybody knows should have would have could have right. Sure. I felt like we were in a good best case scenario for me is like I'm coming into Lumi's face instead of coming over his back. That's just yep. better for Lumi. Yep. I should have, or you tell me what I, I'm going to walk you through what I think I should have done and you can tell me otherwise, but I should have immediately just kind of said, I'm going to flush the bird and got it up and not waited so long. I was waiting on the guns. Yep. No, no. Yeah. So get, get, yeah. I mean, you were in a precarious situation and the fact that he was pointed in the woods and not in dense cover, the bird can see you. Right, mm-hmm. so that primary sensory perception is 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 sight, and so you're going to go ahead. The moment you start moving on that bird, and what happened is you you started making your approach. I, I knew what you were doing. I think you had the right move walking into the limmy. So every every time you have the opportunity to do that, you're putting just a little bit of social pressure on that dog to not move forward, and that's a, and that's a good thing. Um, the problem when it's in the woods versus when it's say in a bunch of broom sedge is now that bird moves and your dog sees it. You're also moving that bird towards your dog. Right. Which is gonna become Right. And so it just depends on how hard broke that some dogs will I mean a bird can jump in their mouth and they're gonna spit into, you know, yes. Yeah. That's not a gun dog, in my opinion. And so as a judge you know, I have a hard time picking dogs up. If I see that bird moving on the ground, a lot of times I'm going to call that a flush, depending on how egregious it is. You know, I, I'll let a dog get away with that. And to be um, fair to the judge, I think if Lumi would have made like a like a just champion retrieve, if he would have just yeah. brought that bird back to my hand, she may would have looked the other way. Yeah, and it, it's, it's hard to say because we're dealing with – we're trying to approximate wild birds, but at the end of the day, that's not what we're dealing with. And those birds at that trial, and they did the best they could getting birds. We all do. Um, well, I'll say that another scenario, <clears throat> I was at an AKC trials watching all age and you know, those dogs, they just get out of sight and then you find them on point, Yeah, you know, yeah. five minutes later, that's kind of yep. what they want. And from my understanding, and I saw two dogs. These were liberated birds, sparse cover, two different dogs and two different braces picked up for unproductives, which means unproductive is like you, you flush around and there's not a bird there. And if you get three of those, you pick your dog up. But from hunting on preserves, I mean, I do have a lot of experience with pen-raised birds. 
Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen quite a few of them. And Henry, you might agree. I mean, just from the description, it's like if you come on to a dog that's been out of sight for a while and he's pointed and staunch, not moving, and you go up and start kicking around and you're not finding anything, what what do you think happened? Did the dog flush the bird or did the bird walk away? I would, yeah, I would assume that the bird walked or moved or maybe he's, you know, possibly smelling old scent, but usually if, if a dog's locked down, they're going to, they're got there. Usually there's a bird somewhere. He, yeah. I think in every situation, I, I just had the feeling like they're not flushing big enough. Sure. Like that, like go out another 10 yards or go behind the dog. This bird could be 20 yards from the dog. If he stopped right on top of the bird, that bird walked away from him. Yeah. I mean, we're getting into like, you're getting into, there's so many things that contextually could be at play. You know, I think a lot of, and it just depends. If that was an American field trial, I would say, man, odds are, and depending on the trial and depending on the judge, you know, one, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to get too deep into judging criteria or, or criteria for selecting. No, judges. no, you can be selective in yeah. that. Just throw Just, it out there. It, well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the judge has to make a call is, you know, what do I think's happening? Mm. And then some, some groups, and I think the AKC is one of them. If you have two unproductives, they're kind of forced into a situation. Yeah. And I don't particularly like that either in a pen raised bird, especially if you're dealing with like a single course where, you know, a single course is going to be a lap. The next dog has to run the same lap you ran. The yeah. Next dog has mm-hmm. Now you're going to end up with birds net all over that course and unproductives are going to, they're just going to happen. You know, but it takes a really savvy pen raised bird dog to kind of sort those things out before you roll up. Um, you know, and that and that's a dog that's not ultra sensitive, which may not be the perfect dog for field trialing, right? Like, so right, yeah, you're getting into a lot of nuance. Um, so, can a dog be a? Uh, so, is there such thing as like this is a probably a better hunting dog than the rules? Kind of, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I've seen an American field, uh, you know, where a judge. You know, a dog establishes point. Handler's moving to the dog, hasn't called point. It's just moving up that way. Dog starts self-relocating. Works it out, works it out, works it out. There's nothing there. Moves on. Handler moves on. Judge is fine with it. Mm, if, yeah. If that were to happen several UKC trials, and I would imagine the same could hold true for AKC trials, where if that happened, the judge might go, I don't like that. Either pick that dog up or they see a second unproductive and they pick the dog up or they wash him out of a placement. Um, and so it, it's, it's, that's the subjective nature of judging, you yeah. know, and what is that judge? It does that. Some judges look at that and go, that's an intelligent bird dog looking to pin a bird or that's a dog that established point and didn't have enough discipline to hold that point until the handler got there. And mm. so, yeah. You know, these are the things to deal with in, in, in judging in general. And, and, and that's one reason I really like the American field. I love that it's subjective and I love that there's no selection criteria for the judges other than, hey, that's a good bird dog, man. 
and we want him to judge our trial. Mm, okay. If, and, and get a diversity of opinions. And so you, your dog has to run under different people with different opinions about what is a great bird dog and what ain't, you know? And, right. And, and so there's something to be said for all of it, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. All right, man. Um, well, let's let's start wrapping it up. I, I would say, so if somebody called you up as a pro trainer and was like, hey, I want you to train my dog, um, do you – like, do you, is it part of your screening to ask the person, well, are you planning on field trialing or is that something you get people asking you like, Hey, I want you to, t- I want you to train my dog to the UKC style of field trialing or, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I mean, the first question out of my mouth, every time anybody calls and wants to send me a dog is, you know, what, what's your objectives? Mm. You know, what, what do you want out of this? And, and I would say the great, great majority of people just want a hunting dog. Um, and, and usually they develop into somebody that becomes a little more interested in the game side of it when, you know, and, and so they, you know, they're into their dog. They're excited about, you know, most of my clients are going to start as first time bird dogs people i i get a, i've got a handful that are that are experienced bird dog folks um that just are short on time but mm, but I yeah say, yeah you know most of my clients are, and and i would say that this we're in a you know for, for better or worse it's we're kind of in a place where um you know things are changing people that you know we don't you know when i was a kid my grandfather had outdoor dogs. My uncle had outdoor dogs and, you know, bird dogs were outdoor dogs. And now we're getting into a contingent that has this pet that at, at first it's a pet. And then if it can be a bird dog, it'll be a bird dog. And, and it turns into a hobby for these people. And, and then they get into it, you know, pretty deep sometimes. And, and so we just allow it for me to kind of develop organically for those folks. Yeah. Awesome. But I don't or encourage them either way, you know, but if they are, if they have an interest in it, I'll help facilitate it for them for sure. I think it's a lot of fun. Well, so, okay. Well, with your average, uh, client that's just looking for a hunting dog, not really to trial or anything, what are the, what are the important things that you, you try to correct in training or like, what are your, what are, what's your priority list in getting like a, let's just say, let's just call it a gun dog and in, in, in getting a gun dog ready for them. Like, are you trying yeah. to break the dog? Are you trying to break him to wing and shot? Or are you trying to break him just to, just to flush? Like what? I'm, what? Not really, I'm not really interested in breaking a dog out at all. I mean, even if they make, if I make them staunch before they go home the first time, mm-hmm. then I feel pretty good. And what I mean by that is, Hey, if you hold a bird till I get close enough to shoot it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, so we're making you a hunting dog and, 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 you know, most people, they come with this idea in their mind that, that you're going to break out a dog, you know, but if you're bringing me a first year gun dog, that's never been exposed to a bird, then my priorities need to be get this dog exposed to birds, expose them to gunfire safely. Don't bird shy him. Don't gun shy him get them out there excited about hunting, put a handle on them for these people, send them home and then let, and then tell, and, and all my clients know this. I don't, I don't keep dogs long-term 
for long stretches anymore. I started out in that way, but what I was finding is, you know, people wanted a fully trained dog. They'd pay me all sorts of money. The dog would stay forever and we'd break them out, steady to wing shot and fall, get them broke, broke, broke. And, and these people had, they didn't need that dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's a very specialized, like that's really only for trialing or in my opinion, yeah. those, and, that style doesn't really cross over well to our like plantation release bird style of hunting because it kind of boils down to a numbers slow. game yeah. and you need those dogs to be bringing retrieves back. Well, it, it requires maintenance, you know I mean? It, sure, it, sure. A great dog to a novice handler and it's just a recipe for turning that dog into an average dog again. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah, I tell people a lot, like if you don't have time to train, if you don't have time to train your dog, you don't have time, you you don't have time to keep a trained dog. Yeah. So for me now, you get six weeks. Every session is six weeks, and it's up to you. And it, I say that, I end up with clients that stick with me for a long time, and I will take their dogs month to month and campaign them for them and, and you know, at the higher ends. But, but at first now, giving your dog for six weeks, that's enough time for me to establish a handle, have a, a safe gun and bird intro, and, and bring out as much as I can in that short period. I'm naturally, you know, in that dog. And, and what I really encourage my clients to do is, is, is take that money you would spend on your preserve hunting, you know, buying 50 bird hunts here and there and, and save up for a few days off and a tank of gas to go chase wild birds somewhere in a high bird density area. Sure. Or, yeah. I mean, or look for one of those places where they'll let you bring your dogs, you know, yeah. I mean, like DIY put, stuff, yeah. not saying that, you know, you know put, put them on, putting them on a lot of wild or release birds and getting them a lot of reps. I mean, I'm well, and, 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 and there's, there's a yes and a no to that. It's a, if you find that place, I want them to have great birds. They got to have high quality birds. And I want you to understand what good cover is and don't go out there and pour a bunch of birds on a dog per hunt. I mm. want you to approximately, I'll bird as best as you can. Like slow down true. each find, make it good, make each rep good. Yeah, you take yeah. a you take a you know a young dog. It's, and there's a time to get a young dog bird drunk, but I want that time to be with me. And and you know then there's a time to to have elusive hard flying birds. Uncle, get are, bird drunk with Uncle Grayson. That's what you <laughs> <laughs> not with your parents with the Uncle Grayson. <laughs> But you know, but uh, elusive birds in good cover are, are going to bring out those natural qualities we're looking for in our bird dogs, and and you guys have access to that down there. When you talk preserve hunting up here, usually you're talking pretty weak birds and pretty pretty bad cover, you know. And so I, I try oh, to yeah. limit. If you've got a good pre-release program somewhere down in South Georgia in, in a in a pine plantation with long leaves, you know, and and good native habitat go at it you know turn turn a bunch of birds loose and just go chase them um but speaking I, of know. if you're looking for a place like that this episode <laughs> brought to you by quailridgeplantation.com <laughs> book your next hunt at quailridgeplantation.com <laughs> thanks thanks grayson <laughs> absolutely true but what i tell my folks is man three to five birds teach them how to set them how to 
to keep them light, teach them. You want those birds to be able to escape that dog and, and run that. And if your dog does okay, then stick them up. If you, if you find a little problem you want to work on, then, then let's talk and figure out how to approach it, you know, but it's, uh, you know, pen raised birds is a, is a tough game, but if man, if you can go out and have for us, it's woodcock, you know, or, or, or travel and go find other birds, you know, mm-hmm. wild birds really going to, they're going to take a, take a young dog and turn them into something special. If you can, if you can get them into good numbers. Yeah. I will say, um, to that point, Lumi has spent a lot of time, uh, in, big woods chasing wild birds and very little time chasing uh pen raised birds close in and when i took him to that akc trial the judge did he didn't place but she asked like does he hunt wild birds a lot and i was like yes ma'am she's like you can tell he just run he he's running hard like there's birds out there yeah, and they and you can look. I mean, and it, good birds, wild birds are gonna are gonna make an intelligent bird dog, you know, and they're mm. gonna, gonna they're be punishing. Yeah, objectives. The dogs are gonna have to learn to dig into cover, so they're gonna be usually it's gonna be a, a look. The, the, a good wild bird dog is gonna look a little grittier. They're gonna be a little more cautious around their birds, and they're not gonna be afraid to go looking for them. Yeah, you know. They're not looking at the handler, you know, looking to be dragged into their birds. Yeah, they're not running up to a briar patch and sticking their nose in and then oh, turning man. around and <laughs> running away. Yeah. Well, awesome. I think we're going to have to have you back, Grayson. Uh, there's a lot of good information, and uh, uh, this is an example of just n- being able to network at these trials and meet other people who are passionate about dogs and and bird hunting and uh yeah i i was i feel very fortunate to have met all the people i've met at these field trials it's it's a wealth of knowledge if you could just kind of take that step to get involved for sure yeah yeah, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to go, but uh, but it was a lot of fun, and 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 definitely I'm, I'm going to do some more research on the stuff I I didn't know. Awesome. Well, um, thanks again to Grayson. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Lost Highway Gun Dogs. Yep. Um, and Henry, you can follow Henry at Quail Guide Dog Man with periods between those and you can follow me at everyman upland please uh we've migrated the podcast over to substack where we're trying to post uh these podcasts alongside some written articles uh, just to keep you guys informed on what's going on in southeast uh, bird hunting specifically in our context in georgia but a lot of this crosses over a lot of places in the southeast so thanks for joining us uh we'll see you out there